Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson, and without my surrogate brother from another mother, Ian Morris, because he's out looking after his albino chicken collection, but instead stepping into his shoes uh, with the Text Message shoehorn, it is everybody's favourite ad hoc co-host, Naomi Kerbel. Oh, hello. Nice to be with you. It's nice to have somebody who wears a shirt that doesn't look like Noel Edmonds bought it. (laughs) Well, it's bright blue, so tell you Tubby like, perhaps? Something like that. I do love Ian, and I do love his shirts, and that's the only reason that I that I tease him about that. But we've still got a great show coming up, and Ian um, is back with us at some point in the near future, we hope. Now, we didn't have a show for regular listeners last week, and that is partly because we had a catastrophic system meltdown. Not literally. The mixing desk didn't perish into its component parts, but uh, it did mean that we only had about 20 to 25 minutes of show recorded, and we decided um, to instead put that out for patrons um, otherwise we'd have nothing extra to um, to give to our patrons so if you are wondering why the last episode in your in the regular feed was episode 178 and this one is 180 that's because episode 179 was unintentionally a patreon exclusive um, of course you're very welcome to become a patron and go and have an additional extra episode but uh, I just wanted to explain and be honest about why that is missing from the feed but we are back in our shoes and we're going to start by talking about something that may sound like old news or olds as we could call it uh, but there is a very relevant topical technical reason why we're going to talk about it that is of course the world's oldest travel agent thomas cook it has its own airline but unfortunately it collapsed into liquidation at the end of last month taking um i think nine ten thousand jobs with it it was it was very very sad um We did skip over talking about this at the very particular time it happened, Um, but I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the reasons why it may have happened, because I think there's a very strong tech thread to pull on there. But before we do, something did happen quite recently, according to a write-up on The Register this week, which is that the company's former breach detection contractor has warned of a sharp spike in scammers setting up fake websites to lure ex-staff and customers alike. The website wrote that the digital risk business Scurio said it had spotted, quote, a flurry of web domain registration activity focused on Thomas Cook-themed domain names. These appear to have been set up by scammers looking to make a quick buck out of the desperate, stranded, and, I suppose, the newly unemployed. Now, this is unsurprising right now. I mean, mean, crooks are, well, they're, they're idiots, aren't they? They'll jump on any, you know, bandwagon to 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 get a quick buck it's so so sad i watched um a 
brief video of um, uh, some passengers on a Thomas Cook flight doing a quick rip, whip round the staff and raising sort of 650 quid into uh, the bucket just to give them for their last flight to to think that then scammers would do this on top is just awful but we all know we've all been in those scenarios when you don't know where to turn you know you might be stranded in a foreign country or you might be out of work and looking to make a buck quick because you've got to make your mortgage payments or pay the gas bill what have you you will go online and you will google and you know you're you're easy prey yeah and actually what's easy prey i suppose is in a way thomas cook's business model Mm. Because the going online and the Googling has been talked about as being basically the main reason behind why this collapsed. And there are other conspiracy theories and overpaid executives and what have you. That's not for us to debate. But what I think is worth us debating is the role of a high street package holiday vendor. Because certainly I remember when I was much younger, and in fact, my mum used to work for a, a coach holiday company, which would sell you a trip and you would get on a coach and you would go on a ferry and you would end up in Disneyland and you'd have a great time buying Figaro stuffed cats from... Um, the Disneyland shop and then yeah. going on Space Mountain. It was a very specific memory, as you can tell. Yes. But that was how we did it. And a lot of other people did. And most people would either call that place or you would go to a Thomas Cook or was there Lun Polly? Is that still Yeah, Lun Polly. Yeah, not you know, anymore, but yeah. And you would go to it, you'd go to a high street store. Whereas now. Yeah, or CFAX. You'd go on CFAX. Oh, and, CFAX yeah. holidays. CFAX holidays. Twi- two episodes in a row now, CFAX or Teletext has made an <laughs> really? appearance. Yeah. We were talking about the demise of CFAX and the, and the demise of the red button on last week's oh. show. Uh, last week's, well, Patreon only show, I suppose. But, but we were talking about red button on there. Even more reason to become a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, I suppose so. God, that sounded so hacked in. I, <laughs> it wasn't, I promise. It really wasn't. Um, but, but, this, but it's a real thing. You know, if we, now when we want to book a holiday at least for myself and you can correct me if i'm wrong we go online we find a comparison website and we can book everything do you do do you do package holidays i mean i know i do i don't i tend to book a flight book an airbnb or you know other reputable uh travel companies out there that offer accommodation um i don't tend to book it all in one package i have done through uh, sites that offer deals, yes. but I don't tend to do those. We did that. We did that recently. Actually, we had a little holiday in uh, on a Greek island, and that was a package sort of deal. You know, all inclusive sort of thing. And we did it be- largely because we'd never done it. Yeah, and it just seemed like a pain-free way of doing things. And? How was it? Uh, overall, it was it was fine. Yeah, it was a couple of complications around figuring out how we actually get our airline tickets, but we figured out that we just misread an email. So it was definite user error. Yeah. We can't blame the company for that. But normally, I would go onto a, a booking.com sort of thing to find a uh, a hotel. And I would, I, I mean, I, use, I only like flying British Airways because it's the greatest airline in the world. And so I usually just go on British Airways and book the things directly. But if I was... If I was more flexible on the airlines that I was choosing, I would probably do that at the same point anyway. But the problem is, is that I find those websites extraordinarily stressful. If you've ever booked something on booking.com or last minute or any of these things, there's constantly little countdown timers everywhere you have two there are two um, spaces left at this price yeah five people looking at this right now someone just booked a room and there's only two left i find it enormously stressful and how true is it i wonder how much analysis has been done on the veracity of those countdown clocks i think they're incredibly effective Mm. i definitely think they're incredibly effective but 
what you never see is the date you know the period like sometimes you will see people are looking at similar dates to you but a lot of the time i think there are people who are just buying these holidays or, or these making these reservations for like a year down the line mm. like it's not necessarily actually them looking at the very same type of hotel room they might be looking for something really cheap i might be looking for a private villa with a private pool mm. you know nice it was <laughs> It had an infinity pool. I wonder. There was an omelette station. Oh, good God. In fact, there was a multitude of pools. Was there a pancake station? No. Oh. 30 mm. quid for parking, though. Oh, good God. WTF. Wow. This is a little joke to fellow podcast fans because they'll recognise where I was just quoting that from. Okay. Just because I because I didn't mention omelette station, um, but uh, but no. The, the fact is the, um, the 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 situation on those websites I find very stressful. But they're popular and they mm. do work, and the margins are much much better, at least for the booking agents. I don't know how much it affects the um, the people actually selling the, I the, think the it's hotel better rooms. For the, yes, that's an interesting one. It is better for the booking agents. I saw a hotel recently in Paris. I'm going for a couple of days with my husband. Um, and I called the hotel directly and it was €20 Euros cheaper by calling the hotel directly. It's like when you buy in-app purchases, which I did only this lunchtime today. On I, I was going to buy it on, it was about £30 on Apple. But if you bought it, it was for a game. And if I bought it on Steam, it was significantly less because on the iPad version, they'd folded in the fact that Apple takes 30%. So they added more on top of it. So similar rules apply, yeah. I think, there. Yeah. But but it is it is sad for Thomas Cook. And uh, it's always a shame to see any longstanding business uh, crumble. But I think the reality of the matter was that it's just so convenient now to be booking flights and things online on our phones as we're walking down you know a, a tediously long elevator as i've seen people do that it, it just it couldn't survive and, and some much more informed pundits out there have, have said similar um so i am parroting wise people here <laughs> uh but i think i think that you know the, the this this the state of the high street right now um kind of uh, backs up that i wonder hypothesis. whether it swings back around I wonder whether, you know, we'll get to a stage where we we will want to go into a physical shop and, you know, a bit like you want to go and buy your nice bread from, you know, the Saturday market, which, you know, is only once a week in, in on the a churchyard. Saturday. Yeah, on a Saturday, clues in the title. <laughs> um, I wonder, rather than going to, you know, a face of supermarket and buying your um, pre-sliced loaf, I wonder whether, you know, that, that whole connection with going somewhere and actually having a conversation. I mean, we're talking about £1.50 to £2 versus, you know, a five to £600 holiday here. Mm. Um, but I do, I, I wonder whether it'll come back around and we'll see some of those the booking.coms or the um, the package holidays, the online ones, actually taking physical stores. I think there's going to be a market at least for somebody to do one of these deals where you do pay slightly more, but the service that you get is 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 great. Whether it's customer service, whether it's just the experience of browsing those holidays, there's going to be a gap in the market at some point for people who aren't necessarily on a super tight budget, mm. still want to book online, but don't want to have to deal with the you know, flashing lights and glaring, stressful uh, uh, designs of, of the booking.coms of this world. But for now, I think they're probably going to remain dominant. But let us know any thoughts you have. How did you book your recent holiday? Where did you go? Did you have an infinity pool? Was there an omelette station? You can let us know all those things and more at hello at uktechshow.com. <laughs> 
The BBC wrote this week that a social media quote-unquote trend is leaving young people with genuine mental health problems and, again quote, facing unfair and distressing criticism. And this, the Beeb said, is coming from private school leaders. The news... It, that is, not the actual distress and criticism. It'd be terrible teachers if that happened. Mm. Um, now, this was all entirely new to me. And I, actually, Naomi, you and I both learned a new term as a result of this story when we were talking about it before we started recording, sad fishing. Yeah. And the BBC described this as a growing behavioural trend where people are exaggerating claims about their emotional problems to generate sympathy. And that was a quote from um, from the heads that had, um, had had made this at a conference, I believe it was. And furthermore... It means that those with actual real problems may be being overlooked or even bullied. And young people are finding sad fishing apparently very hard to manage, according to the Headmasters and Headmistresses Conference. Now, separately, The Guardian wrote that the phenomenon had actually been driven a bit by influencers and celebrities, and they singled out Justin Bieber, who recently told his 119 million Instagram followers, quote, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning when you're overwhelmed with your life. The paper continued, in an era in which mental health is increasingly commodified, there is a concern that some social media users are exaggerating emotional turmoil to draw people to their pages. And there are consequences. A new study by Digital Awareness UK found that young people with mental health issues who seek help online are receiving distressing criticism, that they are jumping on a celebrity-like publicity bandwagon, with it making some children even more vulnerable to online groomers. So we're not going to make light of this. It's incredibly depressing. And I think it is highly relevant as pointing out that probably any call for help online um, should be treated with um, genuine compassion, because even a call for attention is in, sel- in, yeah, is in itself uh, often, you know, uh, the manifestation of a genuine of a genuine issue. But but this term, this 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 term sad fishing, I'd never heard of it. But but there was this survey that was done um, had about fifty thousand pupils. We've not got it here in in the script, but I remember reading it in the study. And pupils are like, you know, they would they would say something online about being unhappy, but then the next day actually getting told, "Oh, you're such an attention seeker," you know. And regardless of whether or not that is traditionally true, I mean, I I remember being a hormonal teenager and doing things that were probably exaggerated in order to get attention. Mm. But it's very different, particularly in a social media world, which was not there when I was a teenager, um, and where where that actually might be the way that you communicate. That is the way that kids are talking to each other. They're doing it via social media. They're doing it via apps and in groups. That may be how they're seeking for help. But having it labelled and now apparently um, being compared to attention-seeking celebrities, it just... um, it, it does seem very worrying. I think you're absolutely right to say there must be something underlying. So this isn't... It might. It's a call for help of sorts because why would a young person feel the need to even post that? Um, and I wonder how much we need to go back and look at the influencers and ask whether they should be... You know, that quote from Justin Bieber does sound when you read it out to me my immediate reaction was oh for goodness sake Mm. look at your life versus other people's but we also have to understand that everything is relative and you know I'm sure that he has a lot of pressure on him and therefore feels overwhelmed at points um I uh 
I was looking when you sent me this through. I was looking online at, at this, and there was um, uh, an interview this morning on Good Morning Britain with Montana Brown, who was in Love Island, and she was heavily criticised for grieving online for her um, Love Island co-star Mike Thalassitis, um, who committed suicide uh, a few months ago, and she was defending herself because her view is if I put that out there I'm connecting with someone else potentially and making it okay for them to grieve and at least it's someone that they are connecting with but the woman who was on with her and I'm sorry I can't remember her name who apparently coined the phrase sad fishing Mm. said but the issue with that is that you're not speaking to another human being who can help you work that through so a Samaritans or a teacher or a parent or a brother or a sister and I think with all of these things I do believe we need to come back to talking to each other and not being afraid to reach out rather than going online actually walk out of your bedroom and talk to the person who's you know in the other bedroom or you know downstairs or whatever so I think that's really key. I think one thing I would say, I mean, not to disagree at all, but I think just worth pointing out that there is a difference, I think, between talking online in a text-based form and having a face-to-face call with a person. Mm-hmm. Because I know I know very well that uh, Babylon, mm-hmm. the sort of uh, video conference GP service, you can use that to get you know to to have a conversation with somebody about mental health issues it's not just look at this thing on my arm arm, um you can you can use that as well and but but otherwise i I come you know i i completely i completely agree um the other thing that's worth pointing out um with this is that you know celebrities I think they do i think they do uh, they are under a hell of a lot of pressure Mm. i mean i i remember I remember. I mean, this is going. This is going back a long time, and I'm not trying to compare myself in the slightest to Justin Bieber, right? But the closest I ever came to having a hyper diluted sense of what it must be like for a a major celebrity was many years ago. I was, albeit very briefly, on The Apprentice, the BBC program. Oh, really? As uh, as like an expert. This is new news to me. I, okay, it was as an expert, sort of. Uh, Ju- not a judge um i was on as an expert they were doing yeah. a, a thing about apps it was when i was a wired mm. and i was on and we filmed for about half a day and probably about nine and a half seconds of it actually made it you know into the final episode but i was there and i was heard and i did have an opinion and part of what i had said influenced the decision that had been made about one of these these tasks i was actually at a party where alice cooper was playing live via hologram in battersea power station drinking jägermeister at the time when this was being broadcast but what i did see is my twitter feed and my inbox explode with criticism and like people had looked at my office phone number the next day i was getting emails to my personal inbox i was getting tweets all this sort of stuff from the dredges of society that think what I said actually mattered and had somehow materially impacted them. It was only for a day or so, but it was, you know, the anger was vehement. It was tangible yeah. almost. And now how I, did that make you feel? Really bad. Horrible. Yeah. Really, really bad. But it was for a very, very small, brief, one-off 
major prime time appearance but for a very very specific thing for a very short period of time and even from that the you know the intense um sort of backlash if you like it was enough to make me think my god like what must it be like to actually be a celebrity and actually be someone who's on the front page of a tabloid every day or you know under that kind of pressure and i don't like justin bieber his music or whatever you know well done for the success he's had but i can only imagine the kind of pressure and stress that these people are are under and actually yeah, you're making me change my mind in a way because I suppose if someone, if Bieber is saying in that moment, you know, I feel overwhelmed, in some ways it's him saying, back off, give me a break. Because when you were saying that just now, I was thinking, well, why then did he go on Instagram and, and write that? And the answer is that. Actually, he, a bit like any of us, if we're feeling crappy at work one day, you want to tell your boss about it and your colleagues about it because you're going to underperform and you want a bit of sympathy, right? Yeah, that's your that's your immediate mind anyway, immediate reaction. But but as British as British people, and I do think this is probably not just limited to Britain. It's normally, oh, hey Naomi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. I'm fine, yeah. <laughs> how are you? Well, actually. <laughs> Always ask twice. Always ask twice. That's a very good model. Always ask twice. Always ask twice. But um, but I mean, it provokes a lot of interesting debate, and it, and it is something worth taking seriously. I hadn't realised that there was a term for this, and I, I mean, I should have shouldn't be surprised. Of course, there's a term. It's 2019. There's a label for everything. Um, but I didn't. I, I wasn't aware of how this was becoming a trend in some ways mm. in schools and on social media in particular. So I just wanted us to talk about it. I mean, you have a, a you know a young daughter, not a, the sort of age that these children are. I don't have any children at all. I have a dog, a cat, and some giant snails. Um, but I know a lot of listeners out there will have will have kids or maybe kids, and this is something we wanted to to bring to light in case it had um, passed them by as it had passed you and I by. Mm. But uh, any thoughts uh, you have, of course, do let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. And as Naomi rightly pointed out, for anyone who is dealing with anything like this, the Samaritans are excellent. And if you have any questions about places to go, you can always drop me an email as well, langson at iCloud.com. I am a mental health first aider. Thanks to Mental Health First Aid England, I'll point you in the right direction to some resources if you need it. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup. Topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Let's lighten the topic a little bit, Naomi, because I wanted to talk about something that happened when I went into Berlin. I was over in Berlin. Well, I was twice last month. I had to go to Berlin. And I do love Germany, which is OK. Um, but the, the most recent time I had to go because I was going to um, a, a massive e-scooter conference. 
uh, e-scooters, micro-mobility. I saw self-driving um, three-wheeled scooters. I saw electric bikes up the wazoo. Oh, I, don't know. I had electric bikes up the wazoo. Not literally. I mean, deeply uncomfortable. Um, but I did see a lot of this. And I wanted to talk about it for, for one particular reason. And that is the following. There was a little demo area on top of the conference hall, quite large, maybe large enough for a -a five-a-side football game, something like that. And a lot of the exhibiting companies at this conference had brought their scooters, maybe five or six, maybe seven different models up there, two or three electric bikes, maybe 10 models or so for people to just get on and drive around and have a go, you know, play with something for the the first time. It was fun. And I had to go on on, on a couple of them and and it was fun. But I was really very, very acutely aware, actually, when I was standing up there that there were only two women on that floor out of maybe 20 or 30 people who were, you know, trying all these things out. One of them was a woman handing out health and safety forms to get you to sign a waiver that if you fall off and... The edge of the building, it's not their fault. That is not their fault. And and another woman who I think was from one of these companies, but she was sitting down with a with a laptop. Everyone who was sort of up and about and talking and trying these things out and laughing about it and things, all all dudes, all men. And it was really quite striking because at the conference itself, there were quite a lot of women. Mm. But on this particular thing, it was just, it, to me, it looked like it was a bunch of boys playing with their toys. And I was one of those. And I was very happy to be a boy playing with a toy. But it made me think about a conversation that I think you and I had at one point around scooters and around the rise of um, scooters over the continent, but how most of them, in fact, basically all of them, don't, they aren't really designed for people who wear skirts. Yeah. And I'm not saying women, because there are men who wear skirts or there are men who wear kilts. This isn't a, a gender thing as it, as it is a clothing choice matter. And I wanted to kind of get your views on whether I'm going mad in thinking that's a huge problem or rather that, it, that I think it could be a problem for the industry. So I, um, I think that... I think the difficulty, just thinking about the physics of it, is that, yes, you need a little bit of traction you know just to you know one leg down and push 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 and sometimes you'll want your legs a little bit wider so a pencil skirt is absolutely out right what's a pencil skirt pencil skirt is a very very straight leg skirt and you don't have much room for movement you can just about walk right okay but i would say that anything more voluminous should be fine a culotte which is a shirt, a skirt, a short skirt. So shorts in a skirt, does that right. make sense? Would be fine. But I, I think more. I think it's more about the marketing of them. Do you think? Because I don't see that there'd be such an issue. On a bicycle, it's a big problem mm. because when I, I'm not riding as much now, and these Santander cycles in London have good protectors. But I would always get my skirts, coats, whatever trapped in the spokes of a bicycle mm. with the scooter you don't have as much of an issue i just think maybe it's a marketing thing i think i mean i do wonder if you're right because i see so many female cyclists but everyone is dressed appropriately for for mm. that either they're wearing trousers or they're wearing you know like the lycra things uh, you know men and women equally I don't think there's any any argument there, but with the scooters, it does seem to be a little different. And when and I was I was just very aware that at this at this at this conference, it was just a bunch of blokes 
playing with their scooters. And I did mention it to a couple of people. And this, what do they say? They said, now they thought about it, they have a point. And I was talking to two people, well, I, mean, I was talking to a lot of people from these companies, but the per- there was a person at, you know, a very senior person at one of these scooter companies who I was standing with because I was actually trying out one of their new scooters. And I said it to him. And I said, you know, wow, this is just, this is a boys toys club, isn't it? And he was like, yeah. How much exercise do you get from one of those things? From an electric scooter? Yeah, very little. Bog all. Yeah. And I wonder whether, as women, I mean, well, I can only speak for myself, but I like a certain amount of exercise in my transportation, Mm. right? So either I'm going to walk to work or if I'm going to get the tube, I'm going to get the tube and then that's no exercise. But with something like a scooter, you're not really getting much, you know, in the way you're outdoors, but I would want to be actually physically scooting rather than using the electric element of it. Yeah, we'll just get a regular scooter then. Is, are they interchangeable? Can you do... But you can just not turn it on. It's, and then just use it as a scooter. It seems, it's a bit of a waste of money because a lot of what you're paying for is, is, you know, is the battery and the motor and the electrics. You can get an equivalent scooter for probably a third of the price that's just as comfortable but not powered and yeah. lighter and smaller. Is it, just going back to the gender thing, if I think about my two-and-a-half-year-old who's trying to get to grips with her scooter at the moment, and it takes mm. a bit of time, there is no gender issues there the boys and the girls at that age are all into their scooters in fact it becomes the thing that you do after they get out of the buggy and you want to get them to nursery as quickly and it's a 15 20 minute walk to the nursery you put them on a scooter and sometimes there is like um, a kind of training um, rope that you can pull along so you can pull them along but all the kids are doing it. Mm. You know, I've seen loads of girls. kids doing yeah. that. So maybe, maybe it's just a time thing. Maybe it's just that, you know, the, the big fat electric ones are just currently either, mar- you know, mostly marketed towards guys um, in, in a way. And conf- and I go to a conference and maybe it just attracts that more. But I mean, I, I, I've, it's very rare that I that I see a woman on an, on an electric scooter. It's getting much more common, mm. definitely. I'm seeing... In fact, I saw one just this morning. But for every one woman on a scooter, I'll see nine men. What was she wearing? Was she wearing trousers? I can't remember. I was no. on a scooter and I was, no. try- <laughs> I, I was trying not to, um, to you know, die. But... Um, but it, it just it, it it's so fresh i only got back from berlin yesterday and it was literally that morning that i'd seen this and i just thought am i going am i going a bit crazy here it just reminds me of some of the gaming conventions i used to go to where like the only women you would see are the the ones in the booths trying to get you to look at whatever it is that they're trying to sell yeah um but they'll bring out a pink one and then all of us will be so much more attracted to them mm. apparently a, a, part of the part of the problem I hope is could spot the sarcasm there i think they can <laughs> I think part of the part of the problem from what I what I've seen is it's not necessarily the clothes but it's the shoes and that in heels on those on the boards that you stand on it's actually it's it, it's dangerous because your heel may slip off the edge. Yeah. And so if you're a person wearing heels mm. then you're at a you know you're actually in danger as opposed to just risking the Marilyn Monroe effect of mm. a skirt flying up under a breeze mm. but you know and and that's not that's not that's not good but i think if you look around the city most women getting into work are wearing their trainers into the office i'd very rarely i mean it's unusual if i see a woman in stiletto heels walking into the office Mm. that's a point so i think people would usually wear trainers and skirts but the issue remains that 
you know, when you're on uh, a scooter, if you are wearing a shorter skirt, the skirt will ride up like it does on a bicycle. And so you have to dress appropriately. I want to say thank you to our patrons who are supporting us at patreon.com forward slash UK tech, getting our ad free and extended versions of the show, our weekly extra message, our sister show, and a bunch of more uh, there besides. And I wanted to read out a whole bunch of names because we've got so many patrons at this point and reading out only three names every week just seems a bit uh, rude. So I wanted to thank KV, who upped their pledge this week, as well as Ricky Wakefield, Guy West McDonald, Richard Taylor, Alex McQuilkin, Sebastian Sandoval Similar, David Whitney, Stephen Huxtable, Rob. Buzz Hanlon, Jenny Smith, Alison Hoyle and Andy Rivet-Karnak who are all supporting us directly and keeping us in supplies of things like microphone cables and keyboards and sometimes, who knows, food. Basic needs, things that would appear on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He didn't th- feel fit to um, include podcasting equipment but I'm sure if the pyramid was a little bigger, microphones would have been on there eventually. Thank you to those people. And uh, we're going to transition now into our letters to the editors section for patrons. Um, for everyone else, here's Tom Merritt telling us what's been happening in the wider world of tech this week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we cover Microsoft's Surface announcements, including its return to phones, running Android. Also, why too few robots may threaten your job, the lack of anything truly revelatory in the secret Zuckerberg tapes obtained by The Verge, and why AI and open banking are two of the hot trends in fintech. All that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Naomi, for being here. It's been a great pleasure. I have enjoyed it enormously. As have I, thank you. Um, You do a podcast. Tell people where they can get your podcast, please. Uh, I do. It's called Show Me The Way, at Show Me Pod, on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, on Facebook. And speaking about mental health, as we were earlier in the show, Mm. I've got someone called Catherine Grant coming on the show next. She is a trainer for mental health first aiders. And she's someone that Nate actually suggested. I mean, it was an amazing coincidence. Nate said, you've got to interview this woman. And she actually turned out to be a neighbour of mine in Kennington. I knew her already. So she is coming on and she is speaking about postpartum psychosis, about depression, and about how to to support your colleagues in the workplace and also help yourself when it comes to mental health first aid. And incredibly, when I said earlier that I'd had mental health uh, training from Mental Health First Aid England, she was the woman who trained me. She was your trainer. She was my trainer. How fascinating. Well, that's show me. Is that out? I haven't heard that. It's coming out. It will be out once this comes out. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, soon then uh, show me the way pod thank you naomi uh, kerbal for being here yes do check out that episode i haven't heard it but i assume it's brilliant thank you again to our patrons supporting us every week um we do hope to get back to a regular cadence as soon as humanly possible so sorry for the sort of stop start nature of the show over the last few weeks we are working on uh, on getting back into our every week routine uh, and as i said for, for patrons um there is an additional episode on the feed um that's not on our free feed for now so hell if you've been thinking about becoming a patron now's a wonderful time because you get an extra episode as well uh, send all your comments as usual hello at uktechshow.com and hopefully all being well I'll see you next week.